episode 184 above ground podcast building minds with jamie the mind tradie disclaimer the hosts of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode of 184 of Above Ground Podcast. I can't get my my tongue to work right here. Uh, it is Wednesday, the Wednesday before Christmas, and we are smack dab in the middle of the week, as we are every week on Above Ground Podcast. And after evening hit on Sunday evening, and we were finishing up the last upstate punk rock flea market of 2022. We kicked off Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to all our people out there celebrating Hanukkah, and Merry Christmas to everyone who is celebrating Christmas upcoming at the end of this week, and Happy New Year, and Happy Kwanzaa, and whatever other holidays I've missed. Well, it's a festivus for the rest of us. That's all I will say. Bah humbug. Uh, But... As I said, we had a great time at Upstate Punk Rock Flea Market, the Christmas edition. Saw a lot of good friends and had a lot of great conversations about mental health and keeping up with your mental health, especially during this time of year where it can be so stressful for people. Please check out last week's episode where we talked about whether the Jingle Bells rocked or not. I say it's for whom the Jingle Bells toll because that's what they feel like to me sometimes. Also, coming up in the new year, we've got a lot of new stuff coming out, man. Uh, pretty soon I have an announcement for Tim. He is doing a book signing. I just have not gotten all the information for it yet, but next week on the episode, I'll make sure we tell you where it is, but it will be at the Sages Circle in Glenville in February, I believe, but I got to get a date for that and I apologize. But again, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you very much for all your support throughout the year. Now you're going to hear... A badass from down under, man. Jamie, the mind trade, 184 above ground podcast. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on, though, man. So yeah, I've, I've just I was actually listening to um, as I went for a walk this morning. I was listening to one of your last episodes, so um, it's good good to get in the zone for it. Oh, cool, man! Awesome. What'd you think? Yeah. I listened to I listened to your latest episode too today. Ah, uh, uh, cool. One from the last one from April there with Doctor Elizabeth. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the relationship cool. one, man. I was like, ah, oh, that's really that's some good shit. That's yes. really good stuff. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I what got I... you? What got you into all this, man? Well, I mean, so I, I think particularly how like I've got into it, like the last say uh, maybe two or three years, being on say social media and doing podcast stuff, or well, podcast has been like the last eighteen months, but is. Like I, I realized I wanted to connect with people on a, on a, on a different level that, that uh, like while I finish my studies, like I'm, I'm wanting to become a psychologist and I'm, I'm about okay. 80, I'm about 80, 80, 90% of my way through. Um, and I, I'm just like, I don't just want to 
I don't just want to wait. Like I want to connect with people. I've got messages I want to give to people. Like and I've got life experience and I can like, I can tie my life experience in with, with my education as well. And I think but put out a pretty solid message for people, even if it's in a 30 second video or whether it's a, an hour, an hour podcast or whether it's doing a podcast with, with other people, but that's kind of how I got into it. But like, that's more recently, but you know, back, um, I don't know, like, I think I've been on a bit of a different journey to most of the people that I know from, I think from when I became more of a, a conscious teenager, like I always knew, I think I thought differently to, to okay. most people. So it's kind of been on a journey ever since I've been around 16. And when that's been, you know, the journey kind of started from there. And then I, you know, like um, I became a, uh, I became a tradesman running my own business and then uh, lost most of my vision when I was 26. And then Ooh. that's when, it, you know, so like, you know, that I kind of had to find another avenue of doing, of doing something and then getting into the mental health field or working with people, counseling and studying psychology and what all that kind of stuff kind of kicked off about. 12, wow. like pretty, pretty, pretty solidly about 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah. If you didn't That's... know about yourself prior to losing your eyesight, you had to learn really fast about yourself after that. Well, you had to be because yeah. you had already yeah. lived a life with yeah. eyesight. So now you're losing. Did you lose it in an accident like during work as a tradesman? No, no, it was. Um, oh. My condition is that it'd actually be easier to explain to people if I did. If like, okay. what, yeah, know, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's my condition. My condition is this thing. Um, it's, it's optic neuropathy and there's, it's got its own kind of special version of that. There's so many different visual vision impairments people can have, but they're all pretty like, they're all similar. They might end up with, you might end up with like, you know, not much vision or no vision at all, but uh, they're all like little different ones. Uh, and mine is one that when you're, Generally, a male males normally get it. Some females do, but mostly males get it. When you're in your mid twenties, um, you'll lose lose about yeah eighty ninety percent of your vision. So still to this day, I've got about eight to ten percent vision. Like I'm blind in one eye, and I've got about ten percent vision in my in my left eye. So most of it comes from my my left eye. Um, and yeah, it was over a over a, like a two month period. So oh, like what man. what what would happen is I was like um, I would come home from work and I would like I would notice I was doing my banking or doing my drawings for for work or whatever, and and I was having to zoom zoom in quite a lot, zoom in, and then over like a month I'm like what the hell's going on, or even over like a, a week or two I'm like what's going on, and then um, yeah I went to see I went to see my doctor and I saw an optometrist and then the optometrist said your eyes are actually fine. Something else is going on. So then I saw like someone else and someone else. And then turns out it's, um, it was, uh, yeah, like a, a nerves behind the eye issue. So my eyes are actually fine. I probably have great vision. Oh, no, no, not my great vision. I have great eyes, eyes, but that's the actual nerves that, that don't work properly. So, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how it all happened back in the day. And this, this kind of ties in with, um, I guess how, how I formed, truly how i am today and how i've kind of like i i became and used i guess not became i was always strong but i began to use my strength that i had was um it was my coping mechanism to go i'm going to be happy no matter what you know like that's that was my that was my thing i'm going to be happy no matter what like it was tough don't get me wrong it was tough there was days where i was crying there was days i didn't want to get out of bed there was days that it was like I would like my sleeping patterns were all out of whack as it was like I was sleeping during the day. I was going to the gym at 4 a.m. Uh, and stuff like that, you know, because like, we had luckily had a 24 hour gym back then. <laughs> but my coping mechanism and for, for that thing and for other things was 
I'm going to be happy. There must have been a resiliency that was in you prior to going through losing your eyesight because you had already made the determination to be happy. Is that yeah. is that a fact? Or is that something I'm assuming maybe because just based on your demeanor and just what you've said about your whole situation mm. and how you've come about it? Yeah, that's like, you know, that's a really, it's a really good question because like, I know there's something special going on there. Well, you know, like it's not normal to for someone to handle the situation of losing, say, you know, 90% of your vision and being, although, like, as I said, there was very dark days, but I, I, well, my, my determination was going to be, I'm going to be happy. I know that that's not necessarily normal for people to have because people could obviously go the other way and never come out of it. So I've often wondered that I'm like, what, what, what is, is that? Is it, um, is it a resilience thing? Is it a, is it a strength, a strength thing in my, is it a DNA thing or is it a things that have happened to me that get, like uh, gave me a strength? And I, I think it's, to be honest, I think, and other people have mentioned it to me as well, it's probably a combination of everything. But, and also like, I'm not a religious person, but I do very strongly connect with uh, the universe. And I think maybe it's, I feel like my situation was like, we gave you all these things early on in your childhood, which I can, I can go into, but uh, we gave you all these things in your childhood and then we're going to give you this thing and it's going to help you tie it all together. And then you can help. Uh, this is going to help you become the person you're going to become for, your, for your own sake. And then for the sake of, I guess, other people that you might help along the way. So yeah, to answer your question is, yeah, there was definitely resilience and the, yeah, there was some, there's a whole range of things that happened to me in my childhood. Um, things that I was like, I guess I saw things that, you know, happened to me, things that, you know, like, I'm not sure how much you guys want me to go into, but it's like, I mean, you know, it's just domestic violence stuff and, and, and that. Oh, kind of you stuff, can you know? go as deep as you can go. Oh, as yeah, deep. Okay. Whatever is tied into your story. Yeah. Okay. This is what one thing that I, I'm sure that as you've, as you've been podcasting and your and stuff that mm. you've probably realized that somebody, the story has got a lot more layers to it than just like whatever it is you're going through at the moment. So there's always yeah. that. There's always those buildups because we always talk about how the you know the wreckage that's left behind is what we start going through to get to the treasure yeah. that's there. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I can, I can, I guess I can kind of start from the start. And I like, I like doing what we've done where we've like we've 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 kind of talked about more of the present moment, kind of where am I am at now, and then I can kind of explain kind of like maybe how I've. Um, got to that mindset <laughs> um so like when i when i was younger so when i was when i was four four turning five um my mum married uh, a guy who wasn't wasn't that nice um this wasn't my dad this is my stepdad my mum and um mum and my real dad had like uh, uh divorced maybe uh, i think i was i was six months um six months old uh, and yeah, so dad had gone off and with a, with another woman who i think he was you know, cheating cheating on my mum with and then a couple of years later, maybe it was yeah, uh, four or five or something like that. Yeah, my mum married another guy, and he turned out to be not very nice. Not not very nice to his partners. Not very really nice to his own his own kids, and not very nice to kids of, you know, like like us. So like his stepkids. And I think from around that age, you know, um, you know, pretty much before turning five, is I had to take the um, take on the role as protector for my mum. 
uh, even though like my my siblings my step siblings and like my my brother uh, like my uh, you know my full brother they were older than me but for some reason they weren't really doing anything and I realized yeah, well you know if they, if nobody's doing anything you know if nobody's protecting my mom or someone's got to do it so it's not like obviously as a five-year-old or whatever like I'm gonna have any impact but at least I was trying so like this guy was six foot four and like you know that's not an exaggeration so he was six foot four and I was like a five-year-old and I would like try to get in between them and you know, I'd throw things at him, and and I'd get thrown out of the way, or like you know, all all this kind of stuff. This happened. This happened quite a lot. I say over a five year period of them being married, um, that yeah, this this kind of occurrence happened a lot, and I'd really taken on that role of um, not just in that ha- in the household. Like I, my my protector role was even. I guess um, when I was at school as well, like it's, I was thinking about it as a young kid in primary school um, and like it affected all areas of life. Um, when, when I was younger, like I couldn't stay at friends' houses because it would get to, you know, say nine or 10 o'clock at night and we might be in, in bed and I would start feeling sick and I'd, I'd have to say, I'd have to like sometimes get out of bed and go into my, the, my friend's parents' room and when it was dark, I'd say, you know, hi, can I just make a phone call? And, you know, like I had to I had to do things like that sometimes because I just needed to go home. I had this incredibly sick stress feeling. I didn't know why because I just needed needed to be there. And that that happened multiple, multiple, multiple times, like endless times. Like it was just, you know, there might have been maybe say one or two times successfully over say a five-year period of staying at friends friends houses that I was able to stay there successfully but you know 90% of the time 99% of the time I wasn't able to do it because the other thing was that not only was I like needing to go home sometimes just because I I just I guess I wanted to be there and I, I just thought I was a little wimp and everyone else just thought I was a little wimp as well like he needs to be with his mum like nobody had any idea the other thing was that although I could sometimes calm my nerves of being out of the house uh, and staying at somebody's house, I could calm my nerves about that. But then I was incredibly nervous that I was going to wet the bed because that's what I used to do. I wet, I wet the bed up until I was about 14, 15, not every night, but most, most nights all the half, say half the week sometimes, because that, that's a really common thing for you know, anxious boys and girls in, in living in those environments um, or environments like that. Or if there's a bit of turmoil or anxiety in the house, you can, it's really common for, for kids to wet the bed. And, and, and I did. So if, if I might have been calming my nerves for about how I felt about being away from mum, well, I also had like the, it was a pretty incredible fear that I, I was going to wet the bed. And I mean, it's not just the wetting the bed, it's that my friends would find out, they'll tell kids at school and then I'll be shamed for that as well. So it was like, yeah, there's, bit of fear going on there so if the i guess the the knock-on effect of the the violence and the protector role was you know not just in the household so this kind of went on for a little while um i think it was about nine or ten when my um my mum and this guy finally divorced and mum moved out and what my and my brother and mum uh, got a house uh, yeah like maybe five or ten minutes away uh for, and it was like right next to my primary school and uh, even still the fact that she'd gotten out of that house the protector wall was the protector role was still incredibly strong um and, and in some ways it had actually almost heightened it almost intensified which is a bit odd because you think it would have calmed down but it it didn't it showed that maybe it was just so ingrained ingrained in me that i just you know i still had I still had to, to to do things and then so where it became like really strong was around grade four grade four grade five times so i was about nine or ten and it would get to say 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning um, throughout this grade four year. 
and really, really commonly, say over a six to nine month period, I would go to the go to the sick bay in school, and I'd be I'd say like I I feel sick or I, whatever however I felt I probably that was the only way I was able to explain it like I feel sick or whatever you know I've got this feeling in my stomach, and um, I would speak to the principal or I'd speak to somebody, and uh, you know after a while they they got so used to me doing it that they would just they would call my mum. Um, you know, it just it just happened. It happened so regularly they they kind of knew what was gonna what was gonna happen while I was there. And as I said to you before, we'd we'd moved out of that house and we'd moved into a new house, and it was across the road from the school. So what used to happen was either if my mum was at home after they would call her, and if my mum was at home, she would come out of her gate across the road from the school car park, and I would go into the car park and I would just I would just wave to her. And she'd, she'd wave to me and and then I was all right for the rest of the day. So this would happen commonly. So like really, really commonly. And then the other thing that would happen was if she was working, say, 10 minutes away or you know, five, 10 minute drive away, they would call her on, a, on her mobile phone and she would leave work and same kind of thing. But it was just me standing in the car park, maybe with a staff member, I can't really remember. And she would drive around the school and see me and, and wave. And then I would go go about my day. Now... I work in a high school now and I've worked in a high school for uh, nearly 10 years now. And I've like, I've worked in primary schools as well, but that's, that's not normal, but nobody knew why I was doing that. Nobody spoke about why that was happening. You know, like it was, it was, um, I don't know, even, even 22 years ago or whatever, or not 23 years ago, what would it have been like um, nearly 30 years ago when it was happening, it was obviously still a bit of a taboo subject in some ways. Things that are happening at home, it was they're not really as out in the open as much as they are now. Like, cause I, as I said, I work in a high school, anything was happening like that, like a sense of something happening, people would be onto it straight away, but, but you know, they just weren't. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd taken on protector role in, in, in many aspects, not just in the home life. In, sure. You know? And yeah. you're, that's why you're geared for working in a high school too, to be, because you're, <laughs> yeah, so you were just like destined for that, like through, yeah. all throughout, like you were groomed yeah. for that. As so, a, that left you lacking in your own childhood though, how did you, uh, yeah, like, how did you survive, man? Like how, like, what was like childhood like for you did you have an active imagination did you like to draw like were you drawn to artistic things because obviously you podcast and and you're you know you're a coach so you must and you're drawn to psychology so you must have yeah. that that mind and you're you were a tradesman so you must work with mm. your hands I, I was probably more sporty than anything else so okay. i wasn't I, I wasn't artistic back in the day i didn't i, would, I had never really connected to that i think um, I always kind of was a bit jealous of my brother, who was like always a good drawer, always like a fantastic musician, taught himself all these instruments. <laughs> and I'm like, I had none of that. But I was like relatively, I wasn't necessarily good at sport, but I was really, really active. Yeah, look, there was definitely things that were were lacking um, in, in, in childhood. Uh, and that's uh, that's just one one house, one, one um, you know, that's my mum and my the, the stepdad back in the day. My my dad also had his own issues going on, and still, to be honest, still to this day, he's got his own shit going on. But back then, when like as I said, he he'd kind of gone off with a new partner that he was cheating on my mum with. When we visited there, uh, prior to them having kids, they were like the the stepmom was was okay, or well, that you know his his new partner was okay. But then when when her new their first child came along, we got treated horrendously horrendously by this woman horrendously um to the point like it, it'd be whether you'd say an emotional abuse or emotional neglect so there was no physical abuse or sexual abuse or anything like that but it was like pretty 
some pretty not great stuff for, that no child should have to go through. No child should ever have to feel unloved in any way or like like targeted as in like you're the you're the reason, you're the, you know, like that kind of stuff. So it was just a like there was the household where it was, you know, there was violence quite, quite frequently. And then there was the household we were going to here and would go there maybe every couple of weeks because what you know would have my dad would have visitation and look to be honest as i said my dad had his own stuff going on so he didn't really know how to show love and attention and you know i guess in the there's no normal way there's no regular way but just even show like a decent amount a decent amount of, of you know love and attention and just like that individual love and attention like hugging your children like none of that kind of stuff and then to have that stuff with the, the you know the stepmom there we, we didn't really like it so we quite often um when we were there my brother and i would try to run away like that happened multiple times multiple times even me being a three or four year old back in the day like well, I'd try to run and I'd get like 50 metres down the road and my brother might get a few hundred metres down the road before we'd get caught. It's, it's, it's really fucking weird to talk about that because nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew that was happening. My mum my, my never found out. My dad never shared that with her. For my dad to be knowing this and not realising there's like something wrong, like, yeah, anyway. So that, that was kind of happening there as well. So I guess the, the reason why I'm mentioning this is to answer your question, was there things lacking? Yes, there was, there was definitely things lacking. There was like, so... In a in a any child's life, it doesn't matter like you know who you are, how old you are, uh, you know, in, particularly in the ages between zero and seven are the really critical years, you know, in in development. But there's like um, certain needs that you need met as a as a human child. So it's like safety, security, love, um, obviously healthy attachment. Um, you know, you you should be having things like you know feeling rejection, feeling abandonment, all these kind of things. But safety and security and love are just like the the, the needs of, of like a foundational needs. It doesn't necessarily matter how much um, how much money your parents have or what kind of house you live in. Like if you have love, safety, and security, and, and nurturing, well, you'll be all right. But clearly, none of that was was really happening because my my own parents had their shit going on, or their own shit going on, and and the step parents clearly did. So, yeah, there was things incredibly uh, an incredible amount of thing in things lacking. Um, and then, you know, as I said, like there was the, the wedding, the bed and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, there was also some like yeah, other things that I was fearing as well. But I, I, I guess I, I don't just talk about like today, I don't just talk about those things as, thing, uh, you know, things that I lacked. And I, and I like I might have at one stage grieved for not having those things, but I don't grieve about that now. I don't I don't I don't complain about having those things missing now because I've been able to transform the knowledge of why I lacked those things and why other people lack those things and then why other people who lack those things, how they end up becoming, um, you know, they have end up having certain thought patterns about themselves. They're not good enough. They're like, you know, all that kind of stuff. It kind of helped me understand and have an empathy for people in those same kind of situations. So every, every moment of it, every moment of it, although not, not great, this is going to sound weird, but I'm glad I went through every single second of it and because it, it's, it was, it was the, the greatest um, the greatest teachings I, I could have been given. And so you, you, you mix in that ex, those experiences that I had. Also, this is what I was kind of mentioning before. You mix in those experiences that I had and then other things that I'd been involved in when I was, you know, like a, you know, uh, like a, an angry, an angry teenager, then an angry young man on all these things that I'd been a part of then and then losing my vision that we transfer or transform all this information into into what I kind of am and what I have now. Like if I didn't have that upbringing, I wouldn't have the, the, the understanding of life experience that I do now to be able to work with people, you know, that, that experience these things and have a good understanding of, 
as I said, why people think a certain way, why people have kind of, you know, pretty negative feelings about themselves, why they have negative feelings about the world or, you know, and, and how those different feelings can come about and thoughts can come about and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad I went through every single second of it, man, because it's just, uh, it's helped me become who I, who I am today. How diverse is your population that you coach? Do you coach people who are coming out of, uh, do you have any incarcerated individuals? Are your individuals more professional? Are they, is it like, is it life coaching that some people come to you for? Or are they coming to you for clinical psychology stuff that you're still, that you are involved in? Well, it's more, so I, I definitely steer away from um, any of the psychology stuff yet. Look, I use the psychology studies t- today to inform the way that I do coaching. But until I'm kind of like a registered psychologist, I, I definitely steer away from that. But still, we could work with people in a very similar way. But if, it, if they started to work with me um, because of, say, mental illness, things that they were having, then, uh, you know, kind of more of the higher level mental illness stuff, uh, then I would refer them on. But if it's someone that just wants to, um, like a regular kind of person, it can be a male, female, they can be the age, they range from the age of, say, 20 to, to nearly 60. Um, and they're just, you're just kind of your, your average person. I haven't had any incarcerated individuals or ex, you know, ex incarcerated individuals, none, none of those yet. But I'm sure that, you know, that might happen one day. But it's just a whole range of people that I think that maybe they're attracted to working with me or reaching out to me because. I think, um, like, I like to put out that energy that it's like, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you experienced when you were younger. It's like, um, there's, 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 there's an easy understanding of why you might think and act and live a certain way now. And if there's a, like a little spark of you wanting a little bit more in your life, then I, like I, I guess there's, there's certain actions and thoughts that we can help do together that will that you'll take that spark into a you know a, a flame you know but someone's got to someone's got to want it a bit different obviously they're not going to they're not going to reach out to me if they don't really want or feel that they need something different in their lives but those someone i guess the, the first point is that when someone reaches out to me that's a, like that's a, that's a huge step in somebody's life so that's even just taking i can take that and and go with that as a as a thing to work with but to answer your question, a whole range of individuals, a whole range of individuals. And I really love that because it, it means that like, a, yeah, like using the word you did, like the diverse, I've got a diverse range of people. Like, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of coaches that I see online. They're like, oh, like a, a men's this, men's that. Like, I don't, man, I, I, don't, I don't care who you are. If you've got a brain in your head and you've had experiences in your life, let's, let's work with them to help try to transform what these experiences are, help the, how they've kind of, to help transform you into the person you are today and then let's use those experiences the understanding of those experiences to help transform you transform you into the more of the person you actually want to, to be now it's not it's not changing the people but it's it's how they're not it's it's, it's helping them so they're not held down by say emotional change and and self-belief issues and all that kind of stuff so we're not changing them we're just helping them be more of who they actually are without that without that fear uh, without that as much anxiety, without as much, you know, depression, understanding their depression, understanding their anxiety, understanding their suicidal ideation, understanding all this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, why, why does it happen? And then to be able to just naturally become more of who they are, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. That's why I just love it so much. How did you kind of, uh, I guess, school yourself on all this stuff? 
that you're kind of talking about, like, you know, how do you, how do you identify with the suicidal ideation? How do you, how do you navigate through, you know, uncomfortable emotions and such? How did you go about that? Particularly from when I was a teenager, I used to like to read a lot prior to me losing my vision. I used to like, I used to love, love reading. I was a, a horrendous high school student. So I was never academic back in the day, but I used to like, uh, uh, like reading uh, quite a lot. Um, and then, and then, so like, you know, I was 26, I lost, uh, lost most of my vision. And then uh, I, I had to tr transform my career from a, a tradesman who used to run his own business to, uh, you know, I, and I, but I couldn't drive, drive a car anymore, read my tape measure. So I'm like, oh, well, I need to do something different. So what I did was I started to, um, started to study. I, as I said, I was a pretty horrendous high school student. So studying was a pretty, pretty new thing to me. <laughs> so um, I, like I started, started like a local, uh, local kind of school which wasn't a university something like a step under a university I did like 12 months there and then I'm like after I'd done youth work for a little while so working with teenagers in the area I'm like well I want to take this to another level and so I started uh, a psychology degree back back uh, in 2014 which I which I loved um, and I did that part-time and then about halfway through the psych psychology degree I'm like well I want to actually aim to become a psychologist because most people who do a psychology degree they don't end up doing anything with it because it's the the steps that you've got to do to then become like an accredited psychologist they are they are pretty bloody difficult so halfway through i realized i want to take the steps to go through all the way and then uh so after my degree i then had to do my honors year so i've just finished that last year so i've done what have i done so i've done four years of full-time study eight years eight years of part-time study on becoming to become a psychologist and now i'm uh, I might, you know, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just now um, applying to get into my final level of study, which is really, uh, really tough to get into, really competitive, but I think I've, I think I'm, I'm going to be okay. I think I've done everything I need to do. I've got the work experience. I've got, you know, done all the study. But anyway, to answer your question, that's how I've schooled myself on it. Like a mixture of life experience and a mixture of pretty quality education. Like I've been really fortunate and we've got pretty good uh, universities here in Australia. So, I mean, it doesn't, it's not easy. But um, you know, I've got a good mixture of life experience and education behind me, and 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 I'm not stopping. You know, this is this is just what I've got to now. Like I I love learning, so I've got a few at least a few more years of uh, you know education to go. Do you think without the life experience, the education part would have come to you, or did you come to the education part because of your life experience? Yeah, that's a that's a great question as well because maybe because I'm not academic, even though I'm in university and doing it at relatively, you know, um, good levels of education, it's still not naturally academic. I I, I think I, I put myself through the education obviously because I like I love it, and but I, I also need to do it as well. But in never once in my life, even even recently, like I don't just naturally go oh, okay, yeah, I can just I'm not natural, I'm not academically gifted in any way at all. I've got, I learn differently, um, very differently to most people. And like, I've got a, I, I can't read. I've got to listen to all, all the stuff because of my vision impairment. So I do it differently, but I just really, really, really want to become as good as I can at, at being able to um, support people in big, you know, helping them through their issues or help them so they can help themselves through their issues. Like that kind of get that gets me through. So like I, I, I study with a lot of people that are just naturally gifted, but they don't have my drive. They're naturally gifted to, to you know, to study, but they don't have my don't have my drive. So where I, I guess I could you could say I, I might lack in academic ability compared to others, like naturally, I can get myself to a to a good level through drive and motivation and 
and uh, I guess work ethic. <laughs> and so I guess, yeah, that's, that's how I got, that's how I kind of got there. I think if I, if I hadn't had lost my vision, I'd probably still be a tradesman. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever thought about this. And there was no point in time ever prior to me losing my vision. Did I ever think I'd love to work with people? No way. Prior to me losing my vision when I was 26, I was one of my favorite things was to go to somebody's house and do their, do their kitchen, do their shower, do whatever it was. Cause I was a, a, a glazier. I was a glazier. And tradesman worked with glass. I, I really loved when people were out of the house and I just worked there on my own. It was great. I didn't necessarily love working with people. And, um, and I was kickboxing back in the back then as well. Like I was, a uh, I was like, um, competing in kickboxing around, uh, around where I, where I lived. So it was like, I wasn't necessarily someone who loved working with people in any way at all. So I think like kind of going back to what I mentioned before, this whole losing my vision thing kind of helped me tie everything together. And so that's why I feel so fortunate about being in that position where I was able to have whatever it is, whether the universe goes, you know what, we're going to give you these experiences when now we're going to give you this and it's going to help you tie everything in. What, what, however it happened or whether it was just, you know, just by, by chance, whatever it is. Like I'm, I'm so, I feel so fortunate that I had, had this to be able to happen. I feel so fortunate for those experiences and I feel so fortunate that I was able to lose my vision to then transform my life. I know that sounds, that might sound weird to some people, but the whole losing my vision thing was um, the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm still, you know, back then I'm, I'm, I still feel that way because, because the, and I've said it before on, on my own podcast and other people's podcasts, but it helps me tie, tie it all in. It's like the more vision that I lost, the better I started seeing things in my life. So better that I saw my past, the better that I saw my present and the better that I saw my future. I really hated myself. I, I fucking hated myself back in the day. I really, for, for most of my life, I did not like who I was for a whole bunch of reasons, a whole bunch of reasons. I hated myself. And then that really began the journey of, um, of transforming that. And it wasn't like an overnight fix. Like I've just never stopped. I've never stopped working. I've never stopped trying to find more positive ways of thinking, more, you know, um, ways of thinking that actually nurtured someone who liked who they was. Because it's like I, I, I had that spark as well. I knew that I'd wanted better. I wanted to think about myself in a different way. I wanted to think about the world in a different way. Uh, I also knew there was a person, in, you know, inside that that could be happy with who they who they are, um, and I just I've just not not given up. Well, wow, you're your own personal hype track, man. <laughs> I mean it. Like that's like like there's a, there's a few people that we've talked to that can like literally could be like hype track. You've got it down. Like you've got it all down. Well, it's I think so. It's particularly listening to. Um, so one one of the things that stuck out to me in your last um, or the last episode that I listened to, I think it was recalibrating. Yes. Recalibrating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you guys uh, seem to resonate together in your discussions about how you'd all had uh, experiences in your life with suicidal ideation, and and obviously that's a like such a common thing that maybe you could say half the population, most of the population experience. I'm I'm probably in the um in the i don't know in the range of people that i've 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 never experienced it because and that's the thing is this is where I, I like talking about it so the fact that you've experienced it and the fact that i have experienced i haven't experienced it it there's not a strength difference doesn't mean i'm stronger doesn't mean you're stronger doesn't mean there's no weakness right there's no nothing it doesn't no, there's nothing like that I, I just and i love being able to talk about it with people like this because it's like it's just coping mechanisms so my it's and it's know, bad coping mechanisms a yeah, lot exactly of times. yeah and so it's this is where 
Yeah, so sorry. You, I didn't, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. What I was going to say was like, I think I've been really fortunate to be able to have, maybe, maybe there's an aspect of my DNA or, but you know, there's an aspect of my, how my brain functions and the, the natural kind of coping, mechan coping mechanism or maybe the natural resilience or whatever it is to be able to take those experiences or even more re recent recent ones and, and, and say like what I was saying before, which was like, I'm going to be happy either way. So that was, that was, that was my coping mechanism, which is I feel extremely fortunate about to have that. Because if I was someone who had the coping mechanism, just like that natural one that says, you know, well, starts thinking, you know, pretty, pretty dark thoughts. Like if I, if I had that, it could have been very different. That's why I feel so, so, so fortunate, so lucky that, that I'm, I'm not that way. But what I do is what I, I try to share my thoughts on, how I guess you know why I have so much will to live and, and all that kind of stuff with people but yeah, the other I like to like <clears throat> I've never spoken about uh, on my podcast never spoken about suicidal ideation or having thoughts of suicide in any way because of how I don't have that and I would never want to speak about it with with if I've never experienced it but it's good to be able to chat with with you know people who have and but it's well I could well, I'll break it. I'll just give you a really simple overview because you kind of really hit it. I, to be honest with you, I didn't have it like in my 20s and stuff. I was always anti it. I always had different views of it because mm. it's affected my life in different ways and at different mm. times, losing yeah. people to it and having a mother who's attempted twice. And, yep. and what happened was a a series of life events, but a self-worth of zero that had kind of followed me through most of my life. Mm -hmm. And all of these things kind of pancaked on top of one another. Mm -hmm. And then you start to not feel like you have a way out. Mm -hmm. And by not having, not feeling you have a way out, the only way out is, is that. And then it becomes this weird, like I never thought that I would get to that point, that I would mm -hmm. think that. Mm. let alone feel it, let alone start to think about how do I make it happen mm. and how do I make it happen by a certain time. And and it, it's like, and I never thought of it as something that I, I, was, I viewed it as a weakness in my 20s in a way because I had a different view of all of this because all of this affected my life. You know, mental illness affected my entire life because of my mother's situation and things. So I, I was angry about it. I was an angry mm. young man. I'm still an angry man, even though I'm not young anymore. <laughs> and it's and you, but it's, but but again, it's it's not something that I anticipated ever having. But what it showed me is is that you get to a specific point and you don't think you can get to another point or there's mm. nothing that matters anymore. Like nothing makes you happy anymore. Mm. It's just not a happiness. There's not a, and I have a baseline melancholy that I kind of operate around most mm. of the time and have for much of my life. So it became sort of this thing. And now it's, now it's kind of in the background. It's a, it's a room down the hall that I don't go into very often. It's mm. got really cool music and it's it's really comfortable and it calls you in and it says yeah. everything's going to be different this time but then you know once you shut the door then the room becomes something different you know what i mean mm -hmm. 
but it's a really good way of explaining it that's really cool I like that's that. just how i view my depression too because mm. like it's you know depression is kind of like this t-shirt that is really comfortable it's like the really cool pair of jeans that you love mm. that you yeah. make you feel good no matter what t-shirt or what shoes you're wearing or whatever but they may not mm. look the best on you. <laughs> yeah but you like them <laughs> yeah you know that's 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 an interesting it's an interesting like way to explain as in it's a really cool way to explain it and i guess but it also it also ties into like where i can explain say at my at my darkest time say when when um my vision was going and i didn't know what was going to happen like i had to give up my business i couldn't drive a car anymore i wasn't kickboxing i was single and and i was thinking like who's going to want me now and all that kind of stuff that's when someone who had or like someone who did have maybe what we're speaking about as as their coping mechanism, I think that's where it would have kicked in. Uh, and it didn't. But the fact that it didn't, it's not a strength thing. So for anyone that like for anyone listening that does get them, it's like, you know, get that kind of ways of thinking. It's not a strength thing. It's not a strength. So what I mean is it wasn't a strength thing that I didn't have them. It doesn't mean that I'm stronger than anybody else. It just quite literally means my brain works differently. That's that's it. Yeah, like, it's a matter absolutely. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a matter of yeah. if, if if your favorite color is blue and someone else's is green. It's that. It's that. It's just a difference. That's all. It yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't mean that green is better than blue or blue is better yeah. than green. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The it exactly. And I. But I. What I do try and do though. So like, the way that I kind of. <clears throat> the way that I kind of see myself now and the, how I can kind of work with people, whether it's doing podcasts, Instagram videos, or working one-on-one -on -one with them as a coach and hopefully one day as a psychologist, it's like, imagine, say, <laughs> if I was like this business coach who was like <clears throat> really good at making somebody money or making them build their business and, you know, making shitloads of money. You know, that's that's what I try to kind of, you know, how I see myself in that way. Not that I make, make money for people, but what I do try and do is I've got a really uh, like a good passion, I think also knowledge for helping people understand how to kind of have that drive to want to be here again. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, chat with me in, in one conversation, you're going to be like that, but I'm like, I try to put my, um, my way of thinking about like a will to live. Like I, I really... I want to be here and there's there's nothing that will ever stop me wanting to be here to my to my fullest extent like it doesn't matter how hard it gets for me I want to be here and I don't care what position you put me in I'm going to find a way to to be happy like I try to I guess instill at least a little bit of that in in my conversations or the way I work with people because it's like that that's a that's I, th I think that's a, like a really special thing that I have like as in like not that I'm special but I'm incredibly incredibly fortunate that I could have that as a as a thing in my life that is just that is just always there. It doesn't mean my life my life isn't easy. My life, you know, like it's potentially it means that there are certain experiences that I had to go through to get that. I I, I don't I don't know, but I, I feel that I, I I'm really fortunate to have that. And 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 there's you know there's people out there that that have what we've been speaking about. And so I try to like if if I can impact someone like that in in some way, so it changes their way of thinking. So it's like well. There's this way of thinking I've been thinking about for a while, which is what will, you know, the suicidal ideation stuff. If someone, if they hear something about, you know, what I'm talking about and they can take something from it, like that would be, that would be amazing. Cause it's just, it's just a, it's a change of change of thinking. And don't get me wrong. I don't just mean it's a simple change of thinking, but what I do is I try to show people that there is actually other ways of thinking as well. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I really want, I actually just wanted to say this cause you made this actually pop to my mind because of the way you talk about living. I, for me, I had to find a reason to want to 
live again. Yeah. Not that I didn't have them, but I had to make sure that they were, you know, that they were going to mm-hmm. pull me through. And of course, the ones that you choose do pull you through because they're important yeah. ones, like children and things like that. Yeah. But, but you know, you just have to find another reason to stay. Yeah. And sometimes we can't. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate circumstance that we find mm-hmm. ourselves in at times is that we lose people that we really love that just mm-hmm. can't find mm. find enough strength or whatever mm. it is that they're lacking to stay. Mm. Yeah. I, I find it's, it's such an interesting conversation because as I said to you before, like I, I, I wouldn't talk about it on my own because I've not experienced that. I think, I think it's like, it'd be my, me talking about addiction and drug addiction or whatever, you know, losing, you know, um, say losing a partner or something like that. Because I've, how can I talk like that if I've, if I've never actually experienced it? So I would never attempt to try and put my, my, who I am in somebody's brain, um, you know, in their thought pattern. I would never do that. But I guess, what I can try and do is, um, is sh- I guess, share my way of thinking, which is what I was talking about before. Is like, uh, like if I, uh, I, I, I feel that I'm relatively successful in having that that drive to live and be there. So if it's like, if um, if I like if I knew yeah if I knew how to make people money, I would share that. But I guess I, I'm good at kind of having a, a a drive that no matter what, there's always going to be a drive. That's that's why I try to share with people, and then hopefully that's that's my version of going. Hey, hey, there's 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 this as well. So it's like it's just another way of it's another way of thinking. And if people take something from it, that's that's fucking unreal. Like it'd be it'd be so good. I hope like you know hopefully some of the things I've been saying with people as particularly over the last couple of years has resonated with people. So, so yeah. Well, I, for, I, for one, enjoy your, uh, your Instagram videos when you put up that stuff, you know, I, I, I take stuff from it all the time. I think they're great. Thank you so much. That's really, yeah, that's really kind. Thanks. Apes. Jamie, do you have a favorite or least favorite word? Oh man. Jeez. That's um, uh, a favorite or least favorite word. Uh, you know, one of my favorite. This is gonna sound weird. I, I love the word significant. I, that's gonna. This is this is a real nerdy thing, because in psychology it means that that's when something is 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 the difference between being chance or something that's been you know like being proven to be you know something uh, significant beyond chance. As in like whether it's a form of therapy that works or whatever it is. I lo- I just love that word significant. And it's it's nerdy, but it's just 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 something of word that I really love. What about a least favorite? Least favorite, man. That's oh, um, yeah. Look, oh man. You know what? You know one thing about my brain. My brain works so actively. I'm not great at thinking things on the spot. Um, <laughs> I, I, geez, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've got too much too much coming from my my brain at the moment to pick to pick one. All right. Well, I'm going to throw another curveball at you because okay, okay. So I, I'm really curious because I see you're very heavily tattooed. Oh yeah, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not as heavily tattooed as you, but I'm pretty heavily. I've got a lot of tattoos myself, but I wanted yeah. to know what what significant your tattoos have have played in your journey of 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 all of it. Did you start collecting pre losing sight? Yeah, and, I did. And 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 then just increase afterwards, or yeah, yeah, I did. So I I think I got my first tattoo when I was nineteen. And then I've kind of gone from there. So I kind of went from like one that was one that was here, and then I went down to like a, a three quarter sleeve, and then a full sleeve, and I've done the same thing on the other arm. And then I got like a rib thing, and I've got my hand. This is like over the past 
oh, geez, uh, 15 years or 16 years or something like that, or even even more. But where it really started was, I think when I when I I think I, I there was there was a couple of things that really kicked it off. There was, uh, do you know the movie um, Dust Till Dawn? Yeah. The vampire. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the tattoo that he has on his neck and all. Oh man, I'm just I just I loved I loved that. And then and then there was also my, the first CD that I bought. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Blood Sugar Sex Magic. So okay. in the in the album cover, they they had like a whole section with their with their tattoos and the, yeah. kind, the kind of tattoos that they had. Um, like I just I just loved it. And I'm like I'm I'm getting I'm getting tattoos one day. But I, I I don't know. There was just like a I don't know. There was just a connection with it. Like I just I just there was just a really cool connection that I had with them. Like I've got different you know different kind of art you know there's some polynesian stuff on there there's some like um, mayan aztec stuff i've got like it's just um and really kind of tribal stuff that i connect to i just i just love it love it so much i like yeah it's it's i probably definitely stick out in, in my field particularly being i stick out in my field of mental health particularly mental health currently in a high school but even even being a psychologist most psychologists and counselors like it's like 80 percent of women but to be to then have a male who's not necessarily like um, a feminine male, or which that's really common, is you know that's just the way some of the people are that I, I work with. But to also be a pretty heavily tattooed male is pretty sticks out there as as pretty being pretty rare as well. So you know that's, I make it work for me. I like it. I'm just being me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. No oh yeah, I didn't realize I was muted. <laughs> Dude, it's a great conversation starter too. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. People yeah. see your tattoos and they start asking questions. You start asking <laughs> questions, and next thing you know, you know, you, you got a new, you got a new participant and client, and you're. Yeah, well, they, people probably see me and they wouldn't, they wouldn't really know that. Like, no, I've got a passion for what I've got a passion in. I've got, a, <laughs> I've got, an, I've got, I get, I've got knowledge in certain areas. They probably, I don't know what they would think, but I think it's, it probably adds to it as well because, like, you know, I guess I, I'd, I'd, maybe I look a certain way, but then if I start talking to speak, uh, a certain way, they like. It might, it might also take them back a little bit where it's like, oh, this doesn't, this mat, this doesn't match, but that's, that's all good. It just, I guess, just adds to it. <laughs> so Jamie, if there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done to mental health as a whole without any mm -hmm. kind of restraint, what would mm -hmm. it be? Just another, I think this might sound like I'm putting like not much in that, but it's like, but if I use words like just, I don't. I mean that. I don't mean that lightly. But just an understanding of like that. Every everybody, everybody goes through something. Everybody goes through, I guess, different intensities of, of certain things. Some people have different conditions where they're where they um, I guess the way they feel might be more. Yeah, you know, I guess have a like deeper, lower feelings than than others. Like what we were talking about before. But the I think the main thing is is that there is there is always away there's always a way but also um I, I for me to be able to answer this i have to give different factors to it so it's like but to also understand that like um by doing certain things there's always ways to improve that we we can do as well there's also you know reaching out to a professional or whatever it may be but there's there's also factors for mental health that we can you know there's so much power that we have just in our day to help maintain or at least give ourselves some good mental health so when things happen 
we can handle them a little bit, you know, a little bit differently. So like, I'm sure both of you guys would agree. So if you were like drinking all the time, you were eating shit food, you were unfit, you weren't connecting to your artistic side, you weren't connecting with people on the outside, you know, your friends and all that. And then something happened, you'd be in a pretty fucking shit way to handle something bad that happened. But when you're eating well, you're connecting good, you say you're, if you're if you meditated, which doesn't mean you do, but you feel like you're you're doing certain things in your day or your week or whatever it is, and you you know you're, you're doing your music or whatever whatever it is that you do, you connect you're connecting to life in some way, and then something happens, you are in a much better position to be able to handle certain certain things that may happen outside of you. So I think to answer you, you know, another way of answering your question is one of the things is that it'd be great for people to realize that like mental health is a thing that we definitely have power to control just like our physical health we have um power to control but we're probably just in 2022 we're still in i guess the infancy even though you know it's been around for a while but we're still in the infancy of the general population understanding that that the, how much power they have um but yeah i guess that's a couple of ways i can answer there's always a way to improve your mental health and and the fact that like how much power to individually improve it we to, we have ourselves well said, man. Excellent answer. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. We say everyone has mental health because everyone yeah. has mental health, man. And we have to look at it just as much as we look at our physical health. Yeah. It has to be totally. just as much a part of that. And I think there's a lot of ways to do that, but yeah, we could have there conversations some... for that forever. <laughs> there was, there was, there's a couple of things, although maybe there was something I um I could mention even around that. So there's a, I guess even in the mental health field that like well no, not even just a field of social media stuff, podcasts. I think there's often a misconception between mental health and mental illness. And I I looked it up recently, oh, you know maybe six months ago to try to find a good definition for people, a good explanation anyway. So like mental health is just you know everybody experiences mental health ups and downs you know like where you know there's if you can handle those ups and downs ups and downs you know sometimes you're not going to feel great sometimes you're going to feel better um you know that's 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 pretty normal yeah obviously there's a lot of this is what i was talking before about there's certain things that we can do in our day that will make those downs a lot more down on and stay down for a lot longer and there's obviously also things where we can sustain a much um a higher or better more of a, a stable rate so the mental illness side of it uh, according to the, uh, the um, World Health Organization, mental illness is when you receive a diagnosis. A, di a diagnosis can be depression, diagnosis can be anxiety, it can be a whole range of things, you know, the more higher level stuff, the borderline personality, the you know, schizophrenia, all that kind of stuff. So that that mental, uh, mental health stuff. So when you start becoming, say, over a two-week period, say, over a two-week period, if you're being consistently down, and then over a two-week period, you haven't really come back up, that's probably when is a good idea to realize that there's something, something's going on. But across that, say, two-week period, if you've just had regular kind of ups and downs, it's probably pretty normal. Unless it's going into that range of what we were talking about before, where your thoughts are really dark and that kind of stuff. But other than that, if it's like, if it's just up and down, that's, you know, that's regular kind of mental health. But the mental, yeah, the mental illness side is when we've received diagnosis. So back in, uh, geez, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I received diagnosis of anxiety, a diagnosis of depression, and 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 that kind of stuff. But um, but that that also doesn't mean that I'm mentally ill. Technically, I've received a diagnosis of that, but I can you know maintain a way of living that helps control that. Like I live with anxiety all the time, but I've just got a much better way of dealing with it than what I did when I was younger. This, I guess this also ties, ties into something I wanted to mention before, because Will, you were saying it um, used to be a very angry man. Uh, and I think you're still, you've said you're still that way as well, in some ways. Uh, yes. Guess, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So like, so I, and I used to be as well, probably why I jumped into kickboxing and I, like in my early, uh, so when I, when I was 18, 19 and 20, like, man, I, I was, I, I did some stuff that I, um, not that I, I probably, I wouldn't do now anyway. I, it was just part of my life back then. It was just, I was an angry man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I never, I felt back then I didn't do things to people that didn't deserve it. They'd done something to me or they'd done something to other people, never hurt women or children or anything like that, but just got into fights. Uh, or did things to people that you know anyway so the the anger is what i can understand about that now so particularly with anxiety going back to say mental illness diagnosis of say anxiety and that's obviously getting more and more um prevalent you know the the diagnosis of anxiety would be i don't know it would be a huge rate in the population in, in where you guys are in, in australia as well but anyway so particularly with men um anxiety manifests itself so the, the like the physical feelings of and, and energy involved with um a nervous energy with anxiety manifests in men really commonly in in anger um because it's just it's a really good way for us to get it out so anger is a really good releasing emotion like it helps us get feelings out but what i've also realized is that uh, i'm sure you you'd understand as well that Anger helps us get the feelings out, but it doesn't actually fix the feelings. And so, what I what I've um, you know, it might it might help us fix the way we're feeling in that temporarily to help us get it out. And oh, fuck this person, I'm just going to do this to them. I'm going to you know, like, why do they do that to me? But it doesn't actually fix the feeling. You know, like it's it's that or the fix the the cause of the feeling. And then going back to um, I guess things I've learned about my my childhood. This is going way back to the things we spoke about before, but. It, what, one of the greatest things I've learned about uh, through, through my studies uh, through this thing called schema therapy. Now, I'm not a schema therapist or anything like that, but I'm just talking about it from the lens of like act, the actual kind of form of therapy, just like you would have, say, CBT, which is very, very similar to that. So they talk about in, in, in a child's environment um, when they were growing up, if there's certain needs that aren't met, like what I was talking before, safety, security, love, if they feel abandoned, rejected, all this kind of stuff, uh, there's generally two ways that a child will go. They'll become a really vulnerable child or, or they can become a really angry child. And that's, that's what I did. And potentially maybe um, will that if you've still got anger issues today, potentially maybe that's what you did. And the angry child, the difference is that they will do things to, to get, to, to aim to get their needs met back, you know, when they, when they were younger. So maybe they'll they'll act out or they'll they'll yell and they'll scream or they'll they'll do things to try and get the attention or love and affection that they that they need. Does not mean they get it, but that's their way of acting out to try and get their needs met. You know, and that's clearly what I did. What I've kind of what I was able to reflect on pretty recently was the fact that I still like getting angry because it's my form of getting things done like I, I don't have a negative anger as in like it, I don't it doesn't it doesn't impact my life where it's like um you know like uh, I'm like I'm angry all the time or nothing like that but I still my go-to so that's my coping mechanism my coping mechanism was to get angry and get frustrated and it served a purpose it served okay. a purpose for, for most of my life it served a great purpose I got things done or I I stopped people treating me badly this person was never going to seem like that. They were going to respect me, but now it's more positive. It's, I guess, you know, it's like, yeah. well, you know, but, but what I was going to mention about it was if we did it back as a child to get our needs met, which meant that there was something missing as a man, if we're still using it to get needs met, what is missing? 
you know, we need to have a look in our life. If we're getting angry, what what is missing in our lives that we're feeling angry about that we need to get, you know, we need to, you know, put that anger out. What the difference is though these days, particularly how I can reflect on for myself, I'm like, well, why am I getting angry? There's, there's, you know, I don't have parents that, that aren't giving me these needs now. All these needs that I'm not giving to myself for whatever reason, whether it means I'm not respecting myself, I'm not loving myself, I'm not taking care of myself, you know, all, all these other ways. It's up to me now. So if I'm getting angry and there's needs, there's needs that need to be met, it's on me. So that's how I can kind of have a little bit more control about it now. Where I used to love getting angry, love getting angry. I'm talking, even though that sounds that sounds weird, I know, but I, it was my comfort zone. That's what I got shit done. But now I realize now, if I'm getting angry, there's something that I'm not doing properly. Wow. So you use your anger as a gauge now. Well, it's it, not, yeah. It's, and it's always been a gauge, but it's a gauge for a different purpose now. Totally. So it's like there's it, it served its purpose as a really functional way of thinking and living for so long sure now, well it served as a survival mechanism too totally, totally. so yeah but now you've turned that survival mechanism into a a thrival mechanism as we'll call it just because yeah yeah it is it is good like it, it does it could be incredibly powerful and productive um emotion and, and and there's a there's a one of my favorite books talks about it so the different emotions so sadness grief and and you know all these kind of stuff they're lower level ones of how they make the body feel like they actually kind of were able to somehow measure the different emotions and and anger although it's still what you would consider somewhat negative uh it's still one of the highest so when that's probably why men like men or even people like doing it it's like we'd rather be angry than feel sad because the feeling of sadness compared to anger is so much more powerful. Well, and you do. You feel like you're doing something. Exactly, See, if you're yeah. if you're sad, you don't feel you feel like you're just wallowing in it often. Exactly. Often, and then when you're mad, you actually feel like you're just like even if you're not doing anything, you do feel yeah. like you're doing something just because you feel like you're yeah. spending energy. And that's I think why it's easier that's, to do. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's it right. comes like up actually, for, yeah. It comes up first, so it actually takes like more strength and, and effort, energy, whatever you want to call it to, to, to kind of identify it and then to go, Hey, wait a minute. I feel myself escalating. So instead of doing a, I'm going to try to do B. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, kind of how I can think about it now where I'm like, if I'm getting angry, although there's a part of me that still likes it, I need to say to myself, what am I not giving myself? Just say, if I'm, I'm angry, for example, that person didn't respect me. Or is it because they didn't respect me or is it because I'm not giving myself enough respect? If I don't give myself enough, uh, enough self-respect or do certain things that where I respect, well, then I start looking for it from other people. So if I'm looking for respect from others, does it mean they're not giving me enough respect or does it mean that I'm not giving me enough respect? So it's like a totally different way of thinking about it now. So yes, you're right. It is a gauge now, but it's a gauge now that I, um, I use in a different way. It doesn't mean I don't get angry. I still get angry. I still, you should have seen me like last year when I was finishing my last assignments, I was nearly throwing my computer across the room and it wouldn't <laughs> upload properly. But so I still, I still have to, I will always have the capacity to get angry and probably more than your average therapist, but I don't care because I never use it negatively to anybody in any ways. And I just, you know, I always calm down um, and I've, you know, and who knows, maybe one day I'll get better and better at it. But yeah, look, it's not the worst thing. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much, man, for doing this. This has been awesome. It's been a pleasure meeting you. I mean, I'm totally honored to come on. I love doing podcasts with people internationally. This is amazing. Absolutely, man. I love this. I don't, like, so what time is it now? And you're, what time is it now? Uh, so it'd be about 8 a.m. 8 here now. So yeah, All right. 10 past, 10 past 8. So yeah, I've got, a, I've got a taxi order to come and get me to work in about half an hour. So it's perfect uh, timing. Perfect timing. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Much appreciated. Thanks, Jamie. I,
Hey, all good, man. Thanks so much, guys. That's uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure being on. I said I'm, I'm honored. So thanks so much for asking. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much, Timmy. Man, that was Jamie. Awesome. Down under. Yes, sir. All the way on the other side of the globe, man. It's awesome. We we get it done. We talk all over the place. So, ah, Tim. Until next week. Uh, get well. Be safe. Stay. Above. above thank you for giving us a listen new episodes every wednesday if you listen on apple podcast you can share rate review and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode other ways to support the show follow us on social media share the content share our episodes you can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod for further concerns show ideas or just to say hi you can email us at above ground podcast at gmail once again thank you for listening and supporting mental health keep the conversation going and stay above